For anyone who hasn't heard what's been happening in the last week, can you just give us a quick update on the latest developments? I'm presuming you're not talking about the number of chancellors of the Exchequer that we've had in the last week, um, <laughs> but actually this is to do with some changes in our GPIT reprovisioning programme, which are of significant importance to at least half of GP practices in Scotland. We had got to the point where a framework contract had been agreed. Vision, who are supplied by Sedgidum, managed to complete that process in the spring and have actually already started to deploy their new product into some of the practices in Tayside. Unfortunately, however, EMIS came to the conclusion after some deliberation that they were not going to be able to manage to deliver a product on time. So they have now, as of last week, withdrawn from the Scottish framework. This is the Snug Podcast. In this episode... Reprovisioning cast. One of the real roles that we have in all of this actually is make this as easy a process as possible. There's absolutely no reason why we shouldn't get significant benefit out of a change like this. And it may feel enforced, but also it is a massive opportunity as we move into the, the new world of a much more joined up set of systems. Hi, you are all very welcome to another Snug Podcast. I'm Andrew McElhinney, GP in NHS Forth Valley and a member of Snug, Scottish National GP IT Users Group. And the familiar tones at the start were from Dr Neil Kelly, to whom I spoke today about the latest developments affecting Scottish GP IT users. And OK, it may be even more dramatic at Westminster at the moment, but this is still a pretty big deal for those of us who are EMIS users in Scotland, although that will not be for too much longer. Although for some, it may be another year or two or even three, but for the next seven years, at least, Vision will be the only accredited GP system for Scotland. Now, if you're interested in how this whole saga has developed over the past few years, we have had a couple of previous podcasts which have looked at the whole process in some detail. And those are podcast numbers 2 and 17, if you can find them that way. Or you can look for the ones entitled GPIT Reprovisioning in Scotland from July 2019. Or the second section of Snug's first virtual conference podcast from November 2020. But today we wanted to discuss the implications of the decision by EMIS to withdraw from the reprovisioning process. So I spoke to Neil, who many of you will know as the long-time co-chairman of SNUG. He's a veteran of GPIT, he has lots of wisdom and experience, and as it happens, both he and I are EMIS users. For those of you who don't know, obviously we've been trying to update the GPIT systems and practices. A Scottish programme of work has been going on to do that over the course of the last five plus years. And we had got to the point where a framework contract had been agreed. We had a number of suppliers who were trying to put together a package that met the specification for Scotland. Vision, uh, who were supplied by Sedgidum, 
managed to complete that process in the spring and have actually already started to uh, deploy their new product into some of the practices in Tayside. Unfortunately, however, Emis, who have been a supplier in Scotland for many years now, came to the conclusion after some deliberation that they were not going to be able to manage to deliver a product on time uh, and meet the Scottish specifications. So they have now, as of last week, uh, withdrawn from the Scottish framework. And that leaves us in a situation where we have only one supplier able to, to deliver a system into general practices in Scotland. And that's not a position that we've ever been in before. No, and I mean, I was looking back how long this process has been going on for. And I, I looked at a, a meeting that was held in early 2016 that there were minutes for, and you were there, Ian Thompson was there. You know, do you remember what your expectations were back in 2016? It's a really interesting question. I mean, we talk in general practice all the time about ideas, concerns and expectations. And um, I was thinking about this um, the other day because I had hoped right at the very start of all of that, that we would have learned some lessons from the reprovisioning programme that went before that one. You, you, you talked about the one that, that was started out by, by Robin Wright, um, but actually I heart back to the one which was started out by Richard Copeland even, even before that which took ages to get sorted and then unfortunately I, I you know I don't know that we have really learned but you know the, this one has taken a long time as well. Well that's right because I mean seven years is almost like the original length of the contract with suppliers and here we are in the seventh year of the project to replace it it's almost an entire cycle. <laughs> and, and and I suppose one of the one of the worries at that point was that we we, we had over specified what we wanted it was very detailed and very complicated. And certainly our specification for this framework is very detailed and, and quite complicated. And we have some significant differences between what we need in Scotland in comparison to the other um, nations in the UK. And, you know, I think that that in some way has has created some of the difficulties for us, really. Well, absolutely, because, yeah, I mean, that's one of the things I wonder. Did we just make things too complicated for suppliers? And is Scotland really that special? Well, everybody who lives in Scotland would think it's special, I suspect. But uh, uh, does it need to be so different? Does it have to to um, ha- have the, the 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 level of bespoke development that 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 we're asking for? And the, the difficulty is that we have gone down a, a pathway of developing bits and pieces of software, bits and pieces of functionality that are specifically Scottish, and we we suddenly can't find a, a way to 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 get rid of these right now because. Um, we're, we're sort of wedded to them and they are the bits that integrate into all sorts of other, other parts of our health uh, service. So uh, it's very difficult to see how you unpick all of that. We don't, we're not starting with a blank sheet of paper here, but we certainly all need, I mean, uh, and the expectation, uh, to go to back to your original question, really, the expectation was very much about moving us all onto a modern platform, a new system that was much more capable of integration and was secure and and slick and made our jobs easier and actually allowed us to reflect on the quality of what we do and and actually support that much more integrated approach to to delivering service so you know i I think the ambition is still there in all of that Uh, and i suspect if we see this through that the product that we have potentially available will enable us to do some of that. But it's not just about the product, actually. It is about how it's deployed, how people use it, 
how we support that whole development of, of a service that, that actually gets the best out of a system. And I mean, I guess the two main aims that I can think of being expressed at the start were really to provide practices with more modern systems for improved functionality and also to have the system centrally hosted. And that's still going to be the case. Yeah, and you and I both know that whenever we go into this process of of adopting new bits of software or new applications that, you know, we're, we're not great at optimizing the opportunity. You know, we, 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 we kind of get it out there and give everybody the tool and then we kind of forget to, to support them through actually getting the best out of it. You know, we, we muddle along and, and, and make it work for us, but, um, you know, 90% of the functionality is probably never used on a day-to-day basis, which is frustrating, I think. Well, I think we can talk about how Snug can support practices in the future, but I guess that's a big part of what Snug tries to do is to help practices get more out of their systems. I just I wondered, looking back, I mean, this is just um, <laughs> fanciful, really, but I wondered if reprovisioning could be, almost be seen as a sort of Shakespearean tragedy, you know, as protagonists are killed off one by one, you know, three suppliers pained with grief as they grapple with this enormous specification. Oh, dear. What is it? What, two households, both alike in dignity and fear Verona. I just wondered if we could have a workshop at the Snug Conference, you know, to sort of try and work that out. But maybe that's a bit much. <laughs> yeah, it, it's certainly Shakespearean in length, I suspect. But we can't let it be a tragedy that that we will have let ourselves down if that yeah. is the, the upshot. I mean, I, there, there are elements of this that are more like a Ray Cooney farce, I suspect, uh, you know, run for your wife or <laughs> or two into one or funny money or all these sort of uh, slightly peculiar West End things. But um, yeah, uh, uh, as a user group, we we absolutely have a responsibility to prevent this from deteriorating into, into a farce and deteriorating into a tragedy. We, we, we you know, we, we have to enable practices to function with the, the new tools uh, and actually get, get the best out of them for sure. How do you see things playing out now then, you know, over the next couple of years? Well, I mean, I guess there are sort of a couple of things that need to happen. First of all, obviously now we have a single supplier in Scotland. We need to have a, a think about how health boards react to that. And, and uh, as a group of users, we need to be prepared to work with health boards to actually ensure that they go through the process of as quickly as possible agreeing with uh, sedgedom, the, the 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 terms of engagement, if you like, around delivery, and that might be that it does need to be on a health board by health board basis, uh, because each health board is a little bit different and uses a different set of tools. But I, I suspect there is an opportunity here to do it on a more regional basis and maybe even on a national basis to agree what the whole delivery plan is. And that's a that's a discussion that is ongoing at the moment. Um, we certainly need to try and ensure that the, the planned delivery feels fair and is supported and and managed in a way that allows us to, particularly for those who are using EMIS at the moment, to have a, a comfortable transition onto something that is really quite foreign to them. Uh, this the system will be completely new for at least half of the of the GPs in Scotland and that that worries me slightly so so that sort of contracting bit with the health boards need we need to get on with because the framework suggests that we need to have that all dealt with and agreed by summer next year 
and and then in terms of that sort of transitioning process i think there's a bit of a debate to be had about how do we how do we manage the the queue if you like um if emis are not in the game um should we really be trying to transition emis practices as soon as possible to minimize the risk of a small number remaining on a on a on a legacy system effectively uh, or do we actually encourage the vision practices to go as quickly as possible because they're familiar with it and actually have a bit of a longer time to plan the introduction to emis practices who are not familiar so there's some really important things for health boards to do in terms of building up their deployment teams making sure that they've got training and support materials and the people there to support all of that and i guess at the same time there's an opportunity to look at you know how do we standardize some of this do we standardize some of the order comms type systems or links to clinical portals or links to communication tools that we use so you know how can we rationalize some of what we do and actually just improve the quality through standardization i, I guess so cuz i mean actually i guess if we're looking for silver linings in terms of consistency of approach things like training sharing resources sharing information i mean possibly this will work out for the best eventually yeah i, I think that 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 remains to be seen um one of the challenges always for us in scotland was that our contractual peace with SGPC was all about having choice. But actually, uh, you're absolutely right that, that where you have a single system across all practices, it has to make that whole manpower planning piece so much easier. You, you, know, you, you can locum in any practice without worrying about not knowing the system. It makes the whole idea of transferring records from one practice to another more straightforward surely it has to be easier if you're just working with one system so uh, i i i think we, we we have to just be clear and articulate what those opportunities are now um does it make national reporting of of activity easier does it make the reporting of morbidity statistics easier which you know we've we've really struggled to do over the course of the last three or four years because we don't have standardized approaches across across the service i mean personally i hope the vision reporting tools are going to be good because I'm, I'm definitely going to miss emis web searches and reports yes i've heard several people say that already <laughs> but i i mean i guess we know from experience of system change because we've, we've we've both done it it really probably takes a couple of years for practices to get things the way they want them in terms of setting up appointment systems, recall systems, disease management templates, all the kind of things that we have spent probably years getting the way we want them now. So what do you think the role of Snug is in, in supporting all of this? I mean, I think, I think Snug, uh, as, a, as, a, as an organisation, have always tried to help practices optimise the way they use their system. And there's a real opportunity to use the snug networks to share best practice, to support training, to um, put together hints and tips, to do uh, videos of, of training sessions, you know, obviously podcasts. This is a splendid podcast, Andrew. But actually, these things are all informative and supportive. And we live in a world now where you can't just do it all in a conference. You have to be able to give people support in multiple different ways and you know we've, we've tried to do that through online conferences through local regional meetings 
themes-based stuff. I suspect one of the things we really need to try and do is minimise the stress for people because we're individuals who are interested in technology, interested in how IT can support practices and want to make it work. There is an awful lot of our workforce out there who just want to turn up and for it to work for them and and, and for it to, to not cause them a lot of hassle. And, you know, whatever ways that we can find to in, uh, encourage them to use the system to the best of their ability and not get stressed by it, the better, really. And I suppose the other thing is that whenever you move to a new system, there are going to be parts of it or things about it that don't do it the way you like or don't do what you expect. Um, and actually, I think the user group has a role in gathering these issues or, or 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 understanding what their issues are and either providing support around training because it's a training issue and somebody doesn't actually understand how the system might do something a little bit differently, but ultimately with the same aim. Or indeed, if it is truly a deficiency in the system, in which case, you know, we can feed those back into that process of requesting change and you know, evaluating what is actually required and then negotiating with the supplier about how that might be changed in the longer run. So there's quite a lot for Snug to do here still. Um, I mean, certainly the most active I ever see Snug regional groups are is whenever there is a new system, you know, and there's, there's a, a lot more attendance and there's interest in how do we do this and, and, and actually a desire to learn. And I, I guess you're right, there is a responsibility in all the users out there to actually make an effort to learn the new system and, and, and find out the best way to do things. Yeah, uh, and um, obviously, you know, we've got a conference coming up at the end of November and, and the tone of that will will have changed because of, of where where we find ourselves at. And, and, and it's a real opportunity, I guess, to, to understand how things are going to be uh, going forward. So, yeah, I mean, I would encourage folk to, to sign up for that it's it's going to be a great event i suspect yes i thought you might want to give the conference a bit of a plug uh, i just have the agenda here for the 30th of november there's going to be some great plenaries there's going to be a plenary from dr Anne wales on an update on decision support there's going to be one on bridging the primary and secondary care divide innovative digital solutions and promoting joined up healthcare by douglas elder and would you believe there's going to be a plenary on GP IT reprovisioning? There you go. There's a surprise. Yeah, and uh, snug members will be hearing about this from Alex anyway. Um, one of the things I just meant to ask you was, uh, did you say by any chance you were going to be buying all the snug members a drink at the conference? Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, well, uh, I certainly think that the snug exec are expecting it. <laughs> um, I, I, I think I probably did make that pro promise at one point, and and I, I I probably owe them at least one. I suspect for all their all their hard work. Well, to, to be honest, I think in fairness, probably everybody owes you a drink as well for all the work you've done over the years. I think that's only fair to say. Well, it's all it's all been uh, uh, good fun, and it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? Really, you know, we're yes. entering entering into yet another period of significant change, and you know, uh, we have to just step up and, and, and play our role and we need to try and encourage people to become involved yeah uh, if, if snug is going to continue to hold value it needs to be relevant to what people need and want and and we need to attract a, a new generation of of system users who actually want to 
you know, promote the idea of of a unified user group across Scotland. And uh, you know, we've we've been remarkably successful in sustaining the 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 vigor of Snug over you know quite a difficult time during COVID and uh, at a time when other GPIT user groups have failed. So uh, I, I know that the guys in England have always been quite envious of how we've managed to 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 keep this going. And you know, we've had significant support from Public Health Scotland and from Scottish government and. Um, obviously from all the people who sponsor our events, which, you know, make it possible. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's Snug, Snug has done a good job, actually, in just in terms of hanging in there. And like you say, I mean, it's trying to tap into enthusiasm out there for people to use the systems better and not just at a basic level, but actually extend them and and, uh, and help other people use them better too. Yeah, no, I really hope um, maybe the change of system will inspire people to you know, come forward maybe and get more involved because I think we, uh, yes, we keep saying we're getting increasingly long in the tooth, but we uh, we do need some younger younger people to come along, definitely. I mean, we're living in an environment where um, people coming into general practice now are, you know, very tech savvy, you know, they're yeah. very digitally enabled in their life. And general practice has a tradition of being the most dynamic and adaptable part of the health service. So there's absolutely no reason why we shouldn't um, get significant benefit out of a change like this. And it may feel enforced, uh, and it is partly enforced because we have to move on. But also it is a massive opportunity potentially, you know, as we move into the the new world of a much more joined up um, set of systems. No, I think you're right. I think it's it's about embracing the, the change and uh, being positive about it. I think that's a, a really good way, a note to end on. Um, and as, as they say in the Kermode and Mayo podcast, it will all be all right in the end. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, without, without a doubt, and there will be lumps and bumps along the way. And that's just what we have to negotiate our way around. I mean, you know, life is never straightforward and it's you know, increasingly complex you know, as chancellors of the Exchequer will tell you. So thanks to Neil for his reflections on how things are likely to develop in the future. And of course, there'll be loads more discussion about this at the Snug conference on November the 30th. If you aren't already a member of Snug and are in a GP practice in Scotland, there's probably never been a more important time to join up and get access to all our resources and support network of keen GP IT users across Scotland because we're all preparing for some pretty major changes ahead and we're getting ready to learn more about the vision thing. So you can see the links below the podcast to find out a lot more about Snug, find details about the conference. Thanks for listening and we will be back soon with another Snug podcast. Bye for now. This is the end, beautiful friend. This is the end.